spotlighting how much you mean to God. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Can I just say how important you are to God? Some of you don't think you're very important. You don't think you have a future. You don't think your life matters. You know the Bible says that God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So that if you place your faith in him today, your sins will be forgiven, brought into a right relationship with God. You think of it, God loves me, yeah, God loves you. The proof of God's love for you is the cross of Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. We're told that the value of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay. Jesus gave his priceless life because of his love. You must be very valuable to him. You are, as we'll hear on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the book of Hebrews, and continuing in chapter 9, we learn of the great cost and value of forgiveness. Understanding the weightiness of our sin makes it even more meaningful. Here's Pastor Ed. They took him after lashing. They called that a scourging. If you've ever been to a Good Friday service in a church, Good Friday is a day in memorial of that day of beating and scourging. It was a horrific way to be treated. Torture. We would call that today torture. They torture him and beat him bloody, blood, real blood out of a real human body. But it didn't end there. They took him after the scourging and they hung him on a Roman torture cross, and he died of crucifixion, and he bled. And that significance of the blood of Jesus Christ is spoken of here. Why blood? To magnify the weight of sin. Sin is serious. Sin is a serious matter. It is not to be messed with. I like how Pastor John Corson writes in his commentary. Let me quote it to you. Why is God so deadly serious about sin? It's not because he's prudish, not because he can't handle violence or sex. It's because he knows what sin does. Sin kills. It kills happiness. It kills joy. It kills health. It kills life. It kills kids and families and societies and cultures. That's why the only way that there can be forgiveness is by the shedding of blood. There's no such thing as forgiveness light. Forgiveness only comes through the blood. For the Hebrew believers, they know this. They would see every time the priest would bring the animal and slit the animal's throat and watch the blood flow, that they would be reminded that sin brings death. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6. Sin, the wages of sin is always death. And God takes it seriously. You know, the mathematics of sin are always the same. I don't know where I got this from, but I'm going to quote it from some own unknown guy or gal. I don't know. But listen, the mathematics are always the same. Sin will add to your sorrow, subtract your joy, multiply your problems, and divide your heart. It will always do damage to you and me. Sin is rooted in the hearts of every human being. And let me just set the record straight. When we speak of sin, we use the word we. 
Because the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't anyone among us today that is innocent in the eyes of God. We've all sinned. And when we think of blood, it magnifies the weight of sin. Let me give you one final one, number three. And that is, why blood? Well, number one, God instituted it, so he's the beginning, he's the source, he's the center of our life. Number two, it magnifies the weight and significance of sin, the weightiness. And then thirdly, it magnifies the cost and the value of forgiveness. Can I just say it magnifies your value, how important you are to God. Some of you came in here today, you don't think you're very important. You don't think you have a future. You don't think your life matters. When you think of the blood of Jesus Christ, friend, your life matters. You know the Bible says that God loves you? He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So that if you place your faith in him today, your sins will be forgiven, be brought into a right relationship with God. You think of it, God loves me? Yeah, God loves you. And you say, well, prove it to me then, pastor. I don't need to, but I can point you to the proof. And that is, the proof of God's love for you is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. You're so valuable that your life has been measured by the life and death of Jesus Christ himself. Forgiveness only comes through the blood because it's costly, because you're valuable. Our forgiveness is valuable. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Precious. Because you know, in our culture, all kinds of things are precious. People value stuff all the time. You know, I guess, I guess the number one thing that we value in our culture is the almighty buck dollars. You know, get as many dollars as you can, as fast as you can, and hide it away and tuck it away for retirement until you just protect it with all money, 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 money. That's a big deal in our culture. And, and maybe, maybe not money so much now, because with the cult, the way that our economy is, you realize our economy is based on promises. So paper, paper is just a promise. And so what you'll see is a lot of commercials now. Here, there's, there's difficulty in the economy, so you know what you need to buy? You need to buy gold. And you need to amass gold. Go get your gold. Sometimes there's a silver commercial, but the silver's lame. Get gold. <laughs> get some gold and amass the gold because gold is the most precious, most costly, most important thing in the world. So yeah, you might have a lot of money, but make sure your portfolio is diversified and you got a lot of gold and a lot of gold and a lot of gold. Do you know the Bible values things differently than the world? Do you know that? The Bible doesn't look down on money. It doesn't look down on gold. The Bible just teaches us there are things more precious and more valuable than gold. So that even if you have a lot of gold or a little gold today, the value in your life is the same. <laughs> Whether you're very rich today because God's blessed you, or you're very poor because that's where God has you, the value in your life, we're all equal. Whether you're super happy today and things are going exactly the way you want them, or you're super sad and you're just about ready to be done with life, your value is the same at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there are things more valuable than gold according to the Bible. Let me give you a couple. Number one, let me tell you something. Wisdom is more valuable than gold, the Bible says. Wisdom. Imagine that. Wisdom. Wisdom from God is more valuable than gold. Which is really encouraging for us because wisdom is cheap to get. It's inexpensive. The price for God's wisdom is free. It's free. And so where do you find wisdom? In God's word. And you're here, well, Bedad, I've read the Bible. I don't know that I'm very wise. Well, let me make it easier for you if you're looking for wisdom. Let me make it easier for you. Start reading the Proverbs. The Proverbs in the Bible, which is about halfway in the middle of your Bible, is the book of wisdom. I mean, the whole book Bible is, is wisdom, but Proverbs is specifically wisdom. 
And Proverbs is broken down into 31 chapters, which is really cool because most months have 30, 31 days, and you can read a chapter of Proverbs every day. So that if you read a chapter of Proverbs every day, by the end of the year, you have 365 doses of God's wisdom. And wisdom from God is far more valuable than gold. You are a richer man and a richer woman with the wisdom of God. That was Job 28 verse 15, by the way. Another thing that's more valuable than gold in Psalm 19 is God's word. And it's called the law, the testimony, his precepts. This is more valuable. God's word is more valuable than gold. And imagine just, just all the effort and all the energy that goes into going after money, going after gold, which is fine. You know, that, that's how God's made you. That's what you're doing. Great. But man, God's word is just waiting to be mined like a, like a gold mine. It's full of commandments. And this is where a pastor, you know, I read things in a different world like you probably do for your uh, employment. And I'm in the church world. I'm reading a lot of things about Christians in the church world. And one of the most discouraging things that I come across probably every month or so is they do a survey. And the survey almost always says that very few people read their Bible. Very few Christians read their Bible. Very few churchgoers read their Bible. What that means is very few of you read your Bible, which is pretty discouraging. It's discouraging for me to think of all the potential that's in this room, but you're not going after it. You don't really desire to go after it. You're just not in a place where you want. That, that, that's so discouraging. It's not because, you know, it's not some heavy trip. Read your Bible to be good Christians. No, like it's more valuable than gold. So go after it. Go after it and see what God has for you. See what God has for you in encouragement. See what God has for you in love. See what God has for you to give you direction in life, in wisdom, in help, and hope, and a reminder of a heavenly hope. I mean, on and on and on. It's more precious. Let me give you a couple more that's more precious than gold. Let me give you four more. The commandments of God, the Bible says, are more precious than gold. Psalm 119, verse 27. The fruit that comes from wisdom. So it's not just having wisdom, but how everything that comes when you walk in wisdom is more precious than gold. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 through 19. Let me add one more. You can jot it down. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. You know what's more precious than gold? The genuineness of your faith. How does the genuineness of your faith shine? Through trials, verse 6. Do you know the genuineness of your faith is more valuable than gold? You can't buy faith. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy hope. Because what God gives to you is more precious. It's more valuable than gold. You couldn't have enough gold in the world to buy what you're looking for. Because you know what happens? Instead of looking for things that are more precious than gold, people turn to the bottle. I did that for many years. People turn to drugs, and now more and more drugs are being legal, so they're in more people's systems. And it's like, oh, that must be more precious than gold. That's all junk, man. It's going to destroy you. Whether it's a, a joint that you're smoking or a line that you're snorting or a needle in your arm, it's going to kill you. And before it kills you, it's killing everyone that loves you. Because it's not going to lead you to where you want. God gives you forgiveness that will free you from all the things that you're wrestling with. Not only that, let me give you one more thing that's more precious than gold. You ready? You ready? You guys with me? You are more precious than gold. You. Your life. You, in your current state, are more precious than gold. You're more valuable than the most valuable treasure on the earth today. That God, when he sent his son to die, he didn't die for animals, didn't die for gold, didn't die for money, didn't die for career. He died for you. So the value of your life, the value of your kiddos, the value of your grandkids is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And this is where it's, it gets important. Because our culture will tell you in times of trouble, 
our culture will tell you, you know what, here's the solution to your problem. You need to go find yourself. You need to go find yourself. Really, I need to go find myself. Well, let me help you with that, just in case that's where you're at right now. You go, Ed, that's the counsel my psychologist has told me. I need to find myself. Okay, let me help you out. I'm gonna save you some time. Are you ready? You're right there. <laughs> what? Yeah, you gotta go find yourself? Yes, where am I? You're right there. But you know it's much deeper than that. What we're trying to address is, what's trying to be addressed is you come to this midlife crisis, you, you come to this fork in the road, you come to this difficulty, you come to this sorrow, and you're like, what am I supposed to do? I'm hurting so bad. What am I supposed to do? I'm struggling so much. Who am I? And you know what happens? When you start looking for yourself, all you're going to find is an empty mess, and it only gets worse and worse, and it's this circle and cycle of self, self, self. In times of crisis, you don't need yourself. You need someone greater than yourself to deliver you from your hopeless situation. That's the truth of God. The last thing you need in crisis is yourself. Alongside with that is they'll say, well, you know, here's your problem. You need to build up your self-esteem. That's really what you need. You need to build up your self-esteem. But Jesus said the exact opposite. And we want to follow the teachings of Jesus. Let me show you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16 as we wind down today. Matthew chapter 16. So you've got to see this in your own Bible. This is, this is the, the teaching of a faithful, loving Savior. And this is what he tells us. Matthew chapter 16. Can I say while you're turning, I want to acknowledge the issue of self-esteem for a moment because I don't want to dismiss it so flippantly or quickly because I know what that word is referring to. It's referring to a sense of emptiness in your life. It's referring to a sense of pain. It's referring to a sense of feeling devalued or yeah, maybe somebody put you down or maybe as you were growing up, your mom and dad were mean or maybe you, you're the kind of person that always puts yourself down and, and you've got real feelings of inferiority and you've got real feelings of, of worthlessness. I acknowledge those in your life. That that's true. You have those feelings and you're wrestling with them. But the way this world, the culture works, the idea to help you build up yourself is actually going to hurt you more. Because then your life will no longer be centered on God. It'll only be centered on yourself. And you can only keep up the charade for so long. You can only put so many post-it notes around the house. Today is going to be a good day. Today is it's a good day. You know, the roof is caved in, but it's a good day. My car got ripped off. Praise the Lord. No, it's not fun to get your car ripped off or to have a big gaping hole in your roof. But it's a good day. Love yourself. And then you wake up in the mirror and it says, I love you. Well, who wrote that? You did. So it's only your love. I love you. I love you. You're just talking to yourself. You need something outside of yourself. The post-it notes aren't going to change your life. Only Jesus Christ can change your life from the inside out. Not a bunch of phrases, not a bunch of, like, like everything we've sought after leaves us empty. This is what Jesus said. You got to listen to him. Verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what man is it profited if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the truth. If you're running after finding yourself, you're going to lose it all. But when you finally come to that place where you're just like, hey, I've come to the end of myself, God meets you there. God meets you there. And he's ready to esteem you because he has. 
You see, I guess you could add number four. I don't have it on my list, but I guess you could. Why blood? Because blood will always be associated with the esteem of God in your life. That's how much he loves you. A very life-flowing liquid in your body reminds you day after day of God's love for you. And you are surrounded in this room. You're surrounded outside of this room by people that have been touched and been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's possible. Even the most hopeless situation is possible. Forgiveness is valuable. You are valuable. And your value has everything to do with outside of you, not inside of you. It's what God has done and what he's doing on behalf of you. So let's come back to Hebrews 9. We'll finish out the chapter. Just a couple other truths I want to lay before you before we head out. It says in verse 23, Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So basically, he's just comparing old and new, old and new. The old was every year. He had to sacrifice animals every year. He's just making the point. That system has ended so that Jesus doesn't have to die multiple times. One time, he died once for the forgiveness of sins of others. And verse 27 as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So just a simple little quiz here. It's appointed how many times for a man to die? He's going to die how many times? Now, there are a few exceptions, of course. You know, this isn't, this is a spiritual statement, not a physical statement. So in some cases, there might be the stoppage of a heart and they bring somebody back to life. That's not what he's speaking of here. He's also not even speaking about that one generation <laughs> that won't taste death at the rapture of the church, that in a twinkling of eye, somebody told me after service, the twinkling of an eye is the time it takes for, the, for a, a beam of light to bounce off your eye. But I don't know about you, that sounds fast to me. And that's how fast the Lord's gonna come back for his church. Faster than a, you know, I'm doing this, but it's way faster than that. That's how eager we're waiting, like, Lord, take us. But see, when it's pointed once for a man to die, then the judgment, that answers a lot of questions. First of all, number one, it says, there's no such thing as purgatory. The Bible says there's no such thing. This is the time you have. You're not gonna get a second chance after death where you kind of go to a place and wait and maybe things get better for you. It's appointed once for a man to die and the judgment. Number two, it tells us, there's no such thing as reincarnation because after you die, you're going to face your maker. You're going to give account for your life. You're not going to come back as an ant, which would be kind of bummer, man. <laughs> or a cow or whatever. You're, going to come, you're not coming back that way. You're going to face God with your life and give account for your life. It also tells us that there isn't any such thing as soul sleep. There's no intermediary state. You die once, face the judge. Die once, face the judge. Which leads us to the number one question that pretty much, probably number one, we never really charted them, but probably the number one question that comes on the radio broadcast uh, when we do the live show is this. What happens to a person after they die? That's a great question to ask. You want to know the answer. It's not just what happens to a person after they die. You want to know this answer. What's going to happen to you after you die? Well, the Bible only gives two options. The Bible says that it's appointed once for a man to die and then you're going to face the judge. Or... For the believer, the Bible says that once you're absent from the body, you're what? Present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's the answer. You will be present 
everything that you've ever wanted and desired will be fulfilled after your last breath on earth. You'll be reunited with all your loved ones that have gone before you, and that is it. That's the answer. A believer can only be found in one of two places, on earth or in the presence of the Lord. That's it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that tells us that according, as we're eagerly waiting for him, that heaven is not just a destination. Heaven is a motivation. It moves us. It encourages us. Paul's hope of heaven made his aim on earth to please God. Because God's down payment in us, that longing for heaven moves and motivates us to holy, righteous living right now. Pastor Ed Taylor of Calvary Church, Colorado, encouraging us to be ready for heaven as we await the Lord's return. And what a difference it makes now. This is Abounding Grace. Glad to have you on board. Pastor Ed, speaking of being ready for heaven, some listening right now may still wonder how they can know for sure that they're ready for heaven. Can you help reassure them? Yes, Larry, I'd love to reassure them by simply asking you this question. Have you been born again? That's the assurance of your salvation, that you have been born again by the power of God, forgiven of all of your sins by His precious blood. He is the author, Jesus is, the author and finisher of our faith. So if you can say today that you have been born again, the assurance of your salvation is in that very event, the finished work of Christ, and you've accessed it by faith. If you haven't been born again, then consider the reality of your current situation. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that today, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So have you been born again? I hope so. And if you haven't, and you'd like to commit your life to him right now, pray with me. Let's, let me help you confess with your mouth. So, so as you address God, that's what prayer is, address this to God. You ready? God, I admit that I've sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me, to die for me, and I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I receive and accept the forgiveness of my sins through the finished work of Jesus. And I pray that in his name. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed to receive Jesus today, would you reach out to us? Go to our website, CalvaryCO. Church. CalvaryCO stands for Colorado, CalvaryCO.Church, and scroll down to the tab, How to Know God, and all the information. You can contact us. We'll reach out to you. We have things to give to you and encourage you in your walk, and you can now end this program assured and reassured of your salvation, knowing that Jesus finished it all. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now, if you haven't already, download the free app. Simply search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Looking for some good summertime reading for that vacation of yours? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style 
by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. Now, he also modeled this through how he lived, and that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877 30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Not long ago, we created an e-store, which makes ordering resources like this super easy. You'll find it at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you just want to make a donation to the ministry today, but you're not really interested in the pick of the month, you can donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.